0: All right, take your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 22. Um, up till now, in fact, still on the on the front of your bulletin, you'll see the tagline that we kind of added once I once I arrived here is uh, "Making disciples who make disciples." That comes out of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus says, "Go, therefore, into the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." And that's and. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul tells us to uh, what you've heard and trust to faithful men who can teach others also. That's where we make disciples who make disciples. But the question arises then, how do we do that and what does a disciple look like? And so for the rest of January, we're going to look at three things that define what a disciple is and what a disciple does. And those three things are love, serve, and give. And so along with our logo, with the little cross, you're going to start seeing these three words, love, serve, give. Now, last week, I know we looked at three other words, wherever, whenever, whatever. And, but listen, these things aren't an opposite, so don't, don't get confused because this is our overarching mission. I said 2017. I believe God's calling us uh, to trust Him wherever, whenever, whatever. What do we trust Him to do? What, what do we do as we're following Him? We love, serve, give. Well, how do we love, serve, give? Wherever, whenever, whatever. You, you see how they, how they play together. A follower of Christ will love God, will love others, will serve, and will give. And so uh, this morning... I'm going to go ahead and tell right, I have, I have one big theme, and then we're going to break it down. The, 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 the entire Bible can be summed up in four words. Love God, love others. The entire Bible, all 66 books, love God, love others. In fact, that's what we will look at this morning. And, and as a matter of fact, even next week when Stan joins us and talks about the, the work that's being done at the Pregnancy Help Center I believe that's gonna fall right in line um, because they are always for one they're always looking for volunteers at the Pregnancy Center and that is a place where you can go and you can love show the love of God to others by serving them selflessly and by giving sacrificially of your time Then the last two Sundays in the month we're gonna talk about what it means to serve selflessly and then finally, what, what it means to give sacrificially. And then beginning February 5th, uh, we will be walking through the book of Nehemiah. And that will be uh, our spring, at least. We'll see. My, my, my servant series are always open-ended because who knows? <laughs> who knows how God's going to mess with it once I, once I dive in and really, really get into studying. But, but that's the plan. We're going to be there for spring. So this morning, if you will, uh, take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to start reading in verse 34. We're going to read on down to verse 40. And this is called the great commandment. The Bible says this. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And I pray this morning you open our eyes to see how we can love you and how that love can flow out to those around us. That as we understand the love that you have for us, It would spill out, and we would show that same love to others. Will you show us how to do that this morning? We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So what happens here is is there are these two rival religious parties called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they don't really like each other. In fact, they have some pretty uh, conflicting foundational theological beliefs. But, as you may well be aware, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so the, the thing that they're united in is their dislike of Jesus. And so these two guys, who, these two groups who don't get along at all, come together to try to figure out what they're going to do with Jesus because he's messing with both of them. And so we see several times throughout the scripture that they, that they try to send somebody from their party to Jesus and ask him a, a question, and all they're looking for is some little slip. That's going to uh, that's going to give them something that they can that allow them to bring a charge against Jesus, and so in this instance, a lawyer approaches Jesus and just says, "Teacher, what is the great command in the law?" Now I think there's uh, there, there's an underlying, as I said, some some uh, some nastiness that's going on here. So they're just waiting for Jesus to like say something, and then they can come at him with one of the laws that he neglected. So, so if you're thinking of Ten Commandments, uh, Jesus, which, which one is the best one? Which, if I, if I had to only follow one command, what would it be? And of course, so if Jesus says, you know, you should have no other gods before me, well, he said that I can, he said that it's okay to commit adultery, let's get him. So, so that's what they're looking at. Looking for him to just, just say something that's going to allow them to snag him. And instead, he goes not to the Ten Commandments, But he goes to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is called the Shema. And the word Shema simply means here. And it's the first part of this passage in Deuteronomy 6. And Jesus quotes this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And in Deuteronomy, it says in all your might. Now, if you notice, when Jesus quoted, he said all your mind. We'll talk about that in just a second. But then he also goes and he quotes Leviticus chapter 19, verses 18 and 34, which says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Then in verse 34, it says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Jesus takes these two verses from different parts of the Old Testament, different parts of the law, and says these two things sum up the entire Old Testament. And I'm going to argue this morning they sum up the entire New Testament as well. Love God, love people. Focus on your vertical relationship with God, and that will spill over into your horizontal relationship with people. Now here's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees had done. See, they knew that in the Old Testament there are 613 commands. There are 248 positives, which means do this. And there are 365 negatives. Don't do this. And that wasn't wasn't all. So so what the Pharisees had done is they had taken those 613 and then they they had added their own um, rules on top of that about what it meant to keep the law. So... For instance, the law, uh, you shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The Pharisees had come up with a whole list of things about what it meant to keep the Sabbath. So it wasn't good enough just to say you kept the Sabbath. No, no, you have to check all these things off or else you didn't really keep the Sabbath. And they had some commands that they considered uh, weighty or heavy, the the big ones. Then they had some commands that they considered light. So in other words, obviously the Ten Commandments they, they would say were weighty. But then some of the others, they would have considered light. Don't wear garments with two kinds of clothing, or two kinds of material. So if you're wearing a polyester and cotton mix, shame on you. No, just kidding. Hey? And so you see, and so they, they would have this constant battle. Well, which commands are weighty and which ones are light? And if, if we can only keep so many, how, how, which ones do we have to keep and which ones can we kind of let slide? And, and it might still be sin, but it won't be like sin, sin, you know? And so there was this constant argument. And so this guy comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, which, what's the great command? And he sums it all up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang the law and the prophets. In other words, the entire Old Testament. See, I believe the Pharisees and Sadducees were so busy nitpicking the trees that they missed the forest. And so we're going to look at these two things this morning. First of all, we're going to look at how, as disciples of Christ, we are called to love God Completely, We see that in verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, as I said, in Deuteronomy, the original text says all your might. And, and, and I've, I've read some things throughout the years where some guys will try to break this down and they'll try to say, okay, what does it mean to love God with all your heart? And then what does it mean to love God with all your strength and with all your mind Here's the problem with that. Again, I think that's nitpicking because what Jesus is getting at here is that we are to love God with everything we are. You see how this is all encompassing? All your heart, that would be your um, your, your emotions, all your soul, the, the spiritual side of you, and then your mind or your might. And I think you can say both of those. We're to love Him with all of our intellect. We're to love Him with all our strength. We don't have to compartmentalize that and break it down and say, well, this is how I love God with all my heart, and this is how I love him with all my mind. No, we love God with all that we are, and it includes all of those things. And so this morning, I don't want to simply give you good advice, right? So I don't want to simply say, well, here's some things to check off that will let you know if you're loving God or not. Spend three hours in reading the Bible and in prayer every day. No, no, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to just give you good advice. I, I, I want us to see... The great love that God has for us, because I believe that's where our love for him starts. That as we understand the love that he has for us, it will cause us to respond in love to him. And so um, I have a lot to cover, okay? Uh, if you've looked at your outline, there's quite a bit going on there. Um, don't worry, the Cowboys don't play today. Okay, They got a bye, so they're, they're not playing until next week. And I don't have a meeting till three, so we got a long time here, Okay. <laughs> No, first of all, what we want to see is that we love God because of who he is. Now, in a minute, we're going to look at what he does for us. But but the very first thing is we love him because of who he is. And this is what the psalmist declares in Psalm chapter 8. As David looked at the stars. now, Now, keep in mind, David did not have things like telescopes or, cam- or high-definition cameras, all he had is he walked out and he looked at the stars that he could see, the few thousand that are, that are visible to the naked eye, and that caused him to break out in this praise. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? David walked outside and was struck with the awe of creation and he worshiped God as the creator. He understood that, that a God who could do that was someone that deserved our awe and our worship. So that's the first thing. We worship God because of who he is. And then secondly, we worship God because of what he has done. And, that, and I have a list. So if, in case you're sitting here going this morning, well, what has God ever done for me? Listen, if you're in Christ, I'm about to give you a whole list. If you're not in Christ, if you're here and you'd say, I don't have a relationship with Christ yet, this is what he wants to do for you. We love God because he first loved us, First John, First John chapter 4, uh, starting verse 10 says, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Okay, definition, because we just looked at a big word, right? Pr- propitiation is a big theological word that simply means Jesus died in your place. He took the punishment that was yours on himself. There, you learned a new word. See, you come to church, your vocabulary increases. There you go. (laughs) Extra 10 points if you use that in a sentence this week. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So there we're talking about loving others, getting ahead of ourselves, but, but you see here how it's connected. God loved us. That causes us to love him, which causes us to love others. And then 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. He awakened us to what love is. Secondly, we, uh, we come to love him because he has revealed himself to all mankind. In Romans 1.20, Paul writes this. He says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. How do we know God exists? Because there's stuff. That's what the Bible says in uh, John chapter 1. He created everything that is, and without him nothing was made that has been made. When you see a painting, you know someone has painted it. Nobody walks past a painting and goes, Wow. I'm glad that all those colors evolved over several millions of years into the... Exa- and yet, when we look at the complexity of the human body, why would we say anything else? When we look at the majesty of the mountains or at the beauty of white sands, why would we draw any other conclusion than it's been handcrafted to be this way? And in that, God has showed, shown something about himself to all mankind. Next, he sent Christ to die in our place. Again, we talked about propitiation a while ago. Christ took our place. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I've, I've talked about this before. Um, God's economy works completely different than the world's economy. And so as, as we've talked, um, God doesn't wait for you to get cleaned up and then say, you know, go, go clean yourself up, then come and, and we'll talk and I'll see what I can do with you. It would kind of be like going to the hospital and them saying, I'm sorry, we don't treat sick people here. You got to go home and get well, then you can come back and and we'll see what we can do for you. (laughs) By the way, if you ever go to a hospital and they tell you that, I would advise you to never go to that hospital again. And, And now listen, if you ever go to a church and that's the attitude that they give you, I would advise you to never go back to that church again. And let me plead with you not to be a church that acts that way not to say sorry you're too dirty too messed up we we, we don't we don't deal with that kind of sin here we welcome everyone believing that it's god who will seek and save the lost and who will clean them He saved us in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Again, uh, dead people don't need a hand up. They don't need a hand out. They don't need a push in the right direction. Dead people need a hallelujah, praise Jesus miracle. And that's what Paul just said happens in Christ Jesus he brings the dead to life. And then not only that, and, I, and when I preached through Ephesians, I believe I, t- I touched on this, saying that that would have been enough if he had just said, hey, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring you from death to life. Uh, I'm going to give you life, and then, and then you, you're on your own. Listen, that's a miracle in and of itself, being brought from death to life. But he doesn't just do that. Then he reconciles us to himself. Ephesians two thirteen. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So not just, hey, I'm going I'm to forgive your sins. I'm going to bring you back to life. And then I'm going to let you hang out in the neighborhood with me. He says, no, no, you're coming near. You're coming into my house. Or rather, I'm coming into your heart. I'm setting up shop in your life. And as John 3, 16 and 17 tells us, he has given us eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then 17, which I, I think I've argued before, we should never recite 16 without 17 because they, they, they go together. They were written together for a reason. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, that the, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. Now listen, I could go on. And on and on. This is this is just a small picture of what God has done for us as believers in Christ. But time restraints keep me from, from going on and on. Otherwise, we really would be here till three o'clock. And as much as we joke about it, I, I, I don't want to be looking for a job next week. Okay? So so, um, but but listen. If you want to know more, um, I know we walked through this, this, the book of Ephesians earlier, or, or late last year. Um, go and read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 where Paul talks about the gospel and he will go on and on about all that God has done for us in Christ, the way that he has lavished the riches of his grace and mercy upon us and showing us the great love of God. And so we need to understand that As as we just saw, none of this is based on you and your performance. God's love is based on his character alone. God loves because God is love. Now, so just as you didn't earn it, God's love is not shown to you so that you can become arrogant or so that you can keep it bottled up. That's why Jesus doesn't stop when he says, uh, what's the great commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. He doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, and a second is like it. In other words, it's tied in. You, You don't get one without the other. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So as disciples of Christ, we're called to love God completely. We're also called to love others compassionately. These two are linked. You you don't get one without the other. And and if you can say um, that you have experienced the love of God, but you haven't shown it to those around you, you have not understood and experienced the love of God. Um, Kenneth Boa, who wrote a fantastic book called Conformed to His Image, that, that dives into 12, he calls them facets of spirituality, 12 ways that we relate to God and can come to know him. Um, he, he says this when he was talking about what it means to love others. He says, there is no act that begins with the love of God that does not end with the love of neighbor. In other words, if, if God's showing something to you, if he's shown you something about who he is, uh, about what he's done in your life, and that hasn't caused you to uh, for your love for a neighbor or a coworker or someone else to increase you've not understood the love of God he's not done revealing himself yet because it's not gonna it's not gonna end with him showing something to you and you going cool check that off my list that's not how it works uh, just in case you don't believe me I have I have some some proofs here uh, John 13 34 Jesus says to his disciples, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. John 15, 12, just a couple of chapters later, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, there's no squirming out from underneath that, right? Love one another. Well, but you don't understand. This person is really hard to love. No, love one another. By the way, Jesus is speaking this to people who will later turn on him, to his disciples who will run away at the hour that he needs them the most. They'll run and flee for trying to save their own necks. And I also think that there are probably some in this crowd who will later be in the crowd yelling, "Crucify him!" And notice he gives no qualifications. Love one another. And then 1 John. 1 John is so practical. If you you struggle with what it means to love one another and what it means to to walk in the light of a disciple of Christ, I would encourage you, go read 1 John. It's short. It's just five chapters. but, But he deals with this, what it means to walk in the light as a follower of Christ. And he says it pretty plainly here. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Any questions? How 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 do I know if I've experienced and understood the love of God? I love others. I don't love others. You need to check that vertical relationship because that's where it starts. And, And by the way, Jesus says these things in this order for a reason. Because until you come to know and experience the vertical relationship, the love that God has for you, and the love that that should cause to spring up in us back to him, you will not be able to love others unconditionally. But once you have experienced the love of God. Once you've come to understand it, you can't help but love one another. It's gonna grow out. Now that doesn't mean that everybody's gonna be easy to love. Because look, let's be honest, right? I'm not, let, me not just, let me not just paint a rosy picture here. Let, let's be honest. Some people are very difficult. There, there are difficult people in this world. And if you haven't experienced it, walk outside your house, okay? Just, just go get around people. Go to Walmart and hang out for like 30 minutes and you will learn there are difficult people in this world. No offense, Vernon. All right? <laughs> so, so, so listen, all right? there are people that God will place in your life who will reveal how far we have to go and rather than getting discouraged here's what you do rather than saying i just i just can't love this person let god remind you that at times you're difficult to love And as we come to love those things that the world may, those people that the world may consider unlovable, we begin to experience the love of God, who sent Christ to die in our place while we were unlovable. Pulled this quote from my utmost for His highest, um, classic devotional written by um, a man named Oswald Chambers. And and he he says this, the knowledge that God has loved me beyond all limits will compel me to go into the world to love others in the same way. I may get irritated because I have to live with an unusually difficult person. Don't point fingers. (laughs) But just think how disagreeable I have been with God. Am I prepared to be identified so closely with the Lord Jesus that his life and his sweetness will be continually poured out through me? neither natural love nor God's divine love will remain and grow in me unless it is nurtured love is spontaneous but it has to be maintained through discipline if I could write like that I would sell lots of books But that, that's, why this is a, that's why this is one of the most uh, best sellers in Christian history because he hits it on the head there have I I may get irritated because I have to live with a difficult person, but just think how disagreeable I've been with God. As we come to understand the love, mercy, forgiveness that God has shown to us, it frees us to love others unconditionally. So let me close with this encouragement, 1 John 3, 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. Yeah, I love them. How do you show you love them? Remember, the Bible says God demonstrated his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we've been freed not just to say we love everyone, but to show Tangibly that we love them. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a growing disciple, it starts by understanding what it means to love God and letting that love pour out into others. Because the other two don't happen. The, the serving and the giving don't happen until the, the love factor is nailed down. And until you grasp something about God's love for you, that causes love for him to spring up in you, which overflows to those around you. Let's pray. Father, help us to love you. We know that's where it starts. We know that that nothing else happens in our lives spiritually as a disciple of Christ until we understand the love that you have for us. And the love that we're supposed to show to others. So, Father, I thank you for difficult people in our lives. It's not easy. Sometimes it's, well, difficult. But will you remind us that at times we are difficult to love as well. And you moved heaven and earth to show your love to us. Oh, God, may those who profess to be followers of you be people who love unconditionally. I pray this often, but I think this applies especially in this case. We are no good at this on our own. We're lousy lovers of other people. And so we need your grace, mercy, Strength in us and through us to love a world that is so confused about what love is and so desperate to find just a glimmer of love. May we be people who show that love to the world around us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.